Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. And uh, I failed phys ed and English all the way through high school. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark force here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, um, former competitive bodybuilder, um, editor, and current uh, lots of heavyweight. <laughs> and welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Charles Staley. I am author of the book Muscle Logic, Creating an Escalating Density Training System, and I'm also a master's level competitive weightlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, uh, competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and fibromangina guru. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Today, <laughs> on, on the show with us today is Andy Slagle. Andy, I wanted to thank you for joining us on short notice and, and, and tell you happy birthday as well while I'm at it. I appreciate that, and I appreciate the uh, opportunity to be on your show, man. It's uh, a yeah. great show. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. I'm 22. For those that don't know, Andy, he's an athlete and small business owner. Um, in powerlifting, he was able to achieve USPF Junior World Record holder in 1997 with a combined total of 2248. Um, APF Junior World Record holder in 98 uh, squatted 920 pounds. APF Junior World Record holder in 1998 with a bench of 620 pounds. Uh, holds Washington State records in the deadlift. <laughs> for 680 pounds and bench press 585 pounds and was a member of the USA Junior Powerlifting Team that went to Slovakia and Sweden um, in 97 and 98, respectively. Um, went on and had did six years in arena football and is the proud father of two children, Carter and uh, Olivia. Andy, I'm sure I missed a ton there, but uh, kind of kind of the rundown. No, that's good. You, the, the last two were the most important achievements I've had, I guess. There you go. <laughs> um, so I guess just just kind of start this off normal. How did you get started in training? I mean, were you an athletic kid or? Yeah, I played football. Started playing football when I was eight, and uh, played up and through junior college, and then in college, and I had moved to uh, Washington State with my my parents about ninety four, ninety five, and was just working out in a in a gym in Redmond, Washington. And there was this group of guys that were training and um, asked me to come train with them. I didn't know uh, who they were, but it was a gentleman named Jeff Magruder, who was a uh, bench press world champion in the in the 80s, um, uh, benched over uh, 600 no shirt at 242, and started training with him. Uh, it was a great outlet for that point in my life, um, kind of just find, trying to find my path, and that was a great outlet uh, for my energy and taught me a lot of things as far as uh, discipline, teamwork, uh, integrity that, that's carried on with me through my life. And, um, you know, that was kind of the starting point. But that's how I started in the competitive realm. So um, a, lot of, a lot of help from him. He's a, he's a, he's a great guy with, with great character. Football-wise, then, did your football career, even arena league, come prior to your powerlifting? Or? It, it was actually after, uh, when I was going to school at Central Washington, uh, which is in Ellensburg, I was driving from school back to Redmond, Washington to train, and I kind of came to a, a loggerhead where I had to pick either powerlifting 
uh, or football, and I fell in love with the Iron Man. There was no doubt that uh, that's what I wanted to do, and uh, I liked I liked to uh, to uh, the 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 feel of the of the strength, and uh, so I chose that path. And then after I was done with my powerlifting career, then I went on and played arena football. What what weight class were you at? I started out 275. My first meet I was 262, and um, then I went to the 308s. And then after that, I was just super heavy, um, competing about 340. Uh, I just gotta gotta put this out. You do realize that my best deadlift beat you by about 50 pounds, don't you? That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's good. But I, I I was also only 25. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, it's a hell of an impressive junior career. I mean, are you still competing? Do you want to compete if you're not? I, I mean, I I you know I've, I've I've talked to a lot of people. I do not compete. Um, you know, I compete in the uh, whey protein business. Is, is what my competition <laughs> is now. I you know I I, I lift in my garage. I um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you want to finish at your best. If I ever uh, went back and tried to, to lift like that, I would, you know, probably embarrass myself. But um, it's it's all or nothing. It's time-consuming to train at that level, uh, to have that dedication. And it, it's something I'm never going to – you can never say never, but at this point, family and business are my top two priorities right now. Gotcha. Your, your years in arena league football, I, I imagine being that big, you were what, lineman? Yeah, I played center my whole life, um, and I, I played about 300. But definitely the, that powerlifting, you know, I've, genetically I've, I've always been good at squatting even before I started training to compete. Um, you know, hip hip to hip to thigh is, is where the power is, and uh, it was kind of a natural position for me. Um, but, yeah, I played I played center um, my whole career. Did you guys go on to win any titles or anything there in Idaho? I don't know how big it is there. As far as with uh, football, yeah, we we didn't win any championships. We uh, we had some um, interesting upper management uh, issues, which I'll leave it at that. But we had a great core of guys. Went to places I would have never never gone to across the United States. Um, you know, it, it was fun. We never we never won. I think our best year we were we were 500. But again, the camaraderie. Uh, you know that's the kind of the attraction is that that sports camaraderie you get, and it, same with the powerlifting, and that's what I loved. One of the top uh, things I loved about powerlifting was that camaraderie. Even going, you know, to a different country, I have no idea what they're they're um, what they're what they're saying, but there's still that handshake, that respect, um, and that that kind of translated to football as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's let's go ahead and move on to it, your business. Um, what, what led you to move from from athletics into into BibleWay.com? Well, it you know it's I went after after athletics. I went into the health club business and did that uh, really 18 years off and on, and you know loved it again that competition that natural competition to excel. And BibleWay came about uh, two years ago. Uh, business partner, my business partner, uh, started talking about it, and he had been in the nutraceutical business for for years, and we both, you know, came with the idea, and we both kind of, you know, came to the conclusion that we're we're pretty sick of, you know, being a consumer, um, and being um, somebody who suggests products to people, pretty sick of the the products, you know, quite frankly, that are out there right now. You know, you get um, a lot of products that may say, yeah, we have. X and Y in our product, and it's nowhere near 
what the, what the label says. So we figured we could put out a good product, keep the cost down, and run with it. You know, sometimes you got to look over that edge and just jump with both feet, and, and that's what we've done. And we've had a good response um, with the people that are consuming our products. Um, we have a real strong foundation of customers and a loyal following since we do not advertise. You don't see us in mus- muscle and fitness. You don't see celebrity endorsements. We're, we're, we say protein for the people, and that's that's really what we stand behind. That's what you were telling me. You, you, you find yourself as a customer service company. You want to go into that a little bit further? Yeah, we we, you know, we always we don't joke, but one of our things is we're a customer service company that provides whey protein. Um, I've all, always been impressed with um, businesses I've called where I can speak to um, the the owner. You know, if somebody sees. You know, people see Big Andy. They call. They uh, when they when I when the the phone's answered, it's Big Andy. You can talk to me one on one. We call back. Um, you know, emails. We'll call back. That that um, interaction we have with our customers is huge for me. As far as one, obviously they're they're liking the product. I can tell the excitement in their voice, but I think it's very important nowadays that you have that one on one with your customers. When we're when when we blow up. And we're huge. That'll just be that many more phone calls that I get to answer and emails. But I think if we hold true to those foundations of your business, then that's what matters, and that's what's really going to separate us with the competition. Competition besides the quality of the product. Gotcha. Well, I, I think we go ahead and move on to the topic of the day. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the music here in just just one second. We'll, uh, we'll talk way. Let's talk way. <laughs> The wave evolution. Okay, um, the topic of the day is going to be the benefits of way. Um, I think one of the first things that led me to, to you, it was while well, I was on Facebook, and well, my my buddy Jake is also a training partner. But I just noticed, I mean, you're constantly out there putting up just scientific studies, this and that. I mean, you're not you're not just throwing there an ad out in front of people. You're you're sitting researching and finding the benefits of, of your product and letting that speak for for the product instead of that, instead of just uh, blatant advertising. I'd, I'd like to just talk to you about, you said you can fill us in on some of the great new stuff uh, with way as far as physical performance, aging, and on and on and on and on. So uh let you kind of take the reins here and tell us where it starts. Okay. Um, you know, way. you know, obviously, you know, the, the history of Wei, I'm not, I'm, I'll just touch on, you know, until about 1980, Wei was just pumped into uh into um, local waterways and considered a waste product. Then, obviously, some research came along where people found out the benefits of whey. Um, but, you know, to touch on, you know, most people think whey protein, it's for bodybuilders, it's for powerlifters. Um, but you look at whey, you look at whey as physical performance, you know, with the natural BCAs in it, um, you know, the tissue repair it has, uh, essential amino acids, obviously leucine's a, a huge factor in that way brought uh product um you know isolate is is obviously the most um purest form of way um you know but then you have cardiovascular health um that it can help with um you know uh heart disease 
um, which it, it can help with heart disease, cancer patients, you know, cancer patients that undergo chemotherapy, um, it, it's difficult um, for them to meet their nutritional requirements. And, you know, my wife is actually an oncology nurse, and they like to um, give them um, insure in these types of products. But you look at whey as far as helping them with their immune system, which that's another uh, benefit is whey protein increasing uh, the immune system, keeping those people healthy as they're going through that chemotherapy and radiation um, to help them with their uh, nutrition and, and to get those uh, nutrients in the body. Um, another factor would be type 2 diabetes, um, getting, getting that, uh, that uh, whey protein in as it has a high bio biological value. Um, it's a good choice for, for type 2 diabetics who are ca carefully managing their food, so they're getting that protein in um, and they're getting a pure protein in, so to speak. Um, you look at infant nutrition, most infant nutrition um, as far as um, uh, inf uh, formulas, they'll, they'll contain some type of whey. Whey protein contains many of the same elements that are found in breast milk. So you look at that and that's another factor that, you know, obviously you're not gonna give your child um, or infant whey protein, although I've tried, she liked it. Um, you know, <laughs> it's in there. You know, again, yeah. a, a pure whey protein, again, is what we're talking about. And then, you know, you look at wound healing. Again, if your immune system's up, if your body's healthy, you're, you're going to heal faster. So it's not, it's not that whey protein's some magic pill, that it's, um, you know, snake oil or anything, but there are many, many, uh, many benefits to whey besides building that lean tissue. I mean, as far as lean tissue, though, I mean, I think that's the majority of our audience, of course, is probably interested in that, you know, the sports performance aspects, yada, yada, yada. I mean, the biggest thing of late that's come out is probably, probably two different topics. You know, leucine's huge now. Um, yep. We went to the ISSN conference, and, you know, it's just, it was, there were 17 speakers or something on that out of, out of 30. Uh, on leucine and its benefits, but um, I think one of the biggest things to take away was that, uh, you know, leucine is great, but it's it's kind of like the light switch. Yep. And without the other stuff, all you've done is turn the light switch on. If there's no power source, which you could refer to as the other, you know, amino acids, that light switch isn't going to do a damn thing. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I mean, is that kind of correct? I mean, you want to go into that further? Well, yeah, you know, that's, that's a good, the light switch analogy is, is good. I like that. Um, you know, yeah, you have, you know, you have the, the leucine in it. it. It helps preserve lean muscle tissue while, you know, while promoting fat loss as well. Um, but that is kind of that first step um, to the tissue repair, to um, building lean body mass. You know, leucine um, is, is good, and whey protein has uh, more leucine in it than milk protein, egg protein, soy protein, um, but I mean, I think, you know, so, some studies I've read, leucine as far as, again, that, that tissue repair and that immune system, that connection seems to be more research nowadays and seems to be more um, uh, permanent in, in, in the studies that I've read as well. Yeah. Hey, guys, I just arrived. Sorry about being there. There you go. We're talking leucine, Lonnie. Yeah, I'll tell you what, leucine it's, that is an interesting history. I started reading about the protein synthetic qualities of leucine when I was a grad student in the early 90s, 
And then for the longest time, BCAAs got poo-pooed, you know, leucine, isoleucine, valine. Um, but there's a stubborn persistence, you know, when you read the right textbooks and, and research articles about leucine. And now there's this huge, like, renaissance where people are really giving it its due because it's, it's sort of been shown to be a, one of the two main, I guess, switches, if you will, that turn on the mTOR pathway, you know, the protein synthesis pathway in muscle tissue. So insulin and leucine are the two ways to, you know, affect that pathway. So, yeah. I, Am I correct, though, Lonnie, in, in the, that I have to say, or I have to say in the conference we were at, I mean, they were all, you know, leucine's great. You need a large amount to jack things up. But after a certain point, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, you know, that, that signal is on and you can't turn like, and you can't, you know, once you've pushed, I'll go back to my light switch analogy, once you've pushed it up, you can't push it up further. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Uh, the, um, there was a study that came out a couple of years ago that if you added a couple of grams of leucine to your protein drinks, that it would further enhance the protein synthesis. Um, but that has since been sort of, I don't want to say debunked, but you know, not really supported as much. So I'm starting to think that leucine's main role may be more in sort of uh, during periods when you'd otherwise be fasting. You know, uh, when I was... In Bangkok, I saw some very interesting rodent studies where they were feeding them leucine during periods of fasting and preserving their lean mass while they were on a fat loss kind of, you know, calorie-restricted diet. And you could find, all, you know, just all kinds of interesting stuff about branch chains helping with uh, sort of the dieting phase, too. So, uh, honestly, because I, do, I consume a whey casein blend in my protein shakes, you know, that whey is so rock and loaded with leucine I don't re usually add more. If I ever add leucine to a protein drink or a post-workout drink, it's because I've, maybe I just want to put one scoop in instead of my usual two or something, you know, where the added leucine might just be sort of taking the place of the extra 20 grams of, of complete protein, you know. But anyway, yeah, leucine's very interesting stuff because when you're fasting, that mTOR pathway that I was talking about, it seems very sensitive. When I was in Bangkok, again, they were talking about how glucagon, right, the hormone that helps create new blood sugar and basically keeps you alive while you're fasting, it has a very profound dominant effect on the mTOR pathway, sort of suppressing it. So if you're getting leucine during those times where otherwise glucagon would be ruining your muscle building day, you know, that's very uh, kind of attractive. And I know Don Lehman's lab is doing a lot of that work. And, um, in fact, you know, I asked one of his doctoral students to uh, write a, a chapter in the upcoming, you know, protein textbook that uh, I'm going to be editing. So, you know, a lot of people are familiar with Lane Norton. He does; a, he's yeah. the doc student of Don Layman's, and he's yeah. he's very interested in leucine. So, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, big time. When, yeah, and and like you said, I mean, that's what one of the things that makes whey protein so interesting is it's it's extremely high quality. In fact, Stu Phillips. Uh, in a 2009 paper, Stu Phillips, he's the lab, uh, kind of the lab head where we had one of his uh, doctoral students on the show not that long ago, Nick Bird. But they talk about how milk proteins, you know, whey and casein are the highest quality proteins. And, you know, whey protein is especially interesting because it's, it's much more quickly absorbed 
gastric emptying is very fast, and you guys may have already covered this, but, you know, you get this big hyperaminoacidemia, this, like, rush of amino acids, and that stimulates protein synthesis, you know. So I'm going to see if, if either of you guys want to touch on, but, you know, there's always the big debate between isolates and concentrates, and then concentrates and hydrolates and yada, yada, yada. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, you get the argument with the concentrates, you know, it, it's more intact, this and that. Um, anybody want to go further on that, either one of you guys? Oh, I mean, I I think, you know, isolate obviously is, is, is you're going through, you know, a pure, um, you know, you're going through microfiltration, you're going through ion exchange. Um, mm-hmm. so is isolate a, a good product? Yeah, as long as it's a good, you know, company putting that product out, I would I would say yes. Um, I have started to read a little bit in that process. Does the MSG go up a little bit with with that isolate as you go through that um, microfiltration? Um, you know, you you see both sides of that. Um, you know, I think with with on the, on the other hand, you know, concentrate. If you have a good concentrate, are you losing that much by going with the concentrate as opposed to an isolate? You know, I think I think the degree isn't significant enough to where you know, oh, we're going through isolate. I'm sure the isolate company said, oh, it's you know, we have to go isolate, but for the cost, because obviously it costs more to do that ultrafiltration or microfiltration, I should say, uh, the ion exchange that you're doing a, a different process. But I found it interesting, you know, as the MSG goes up in that in that process, um, you know, and I'm still reading on that, but I, I found that kind of interesting that point. You know, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. I think isolate versus concentrate. Let's not go too deep into minutia. You know what I mean? These yeah. are both good things. Sure. Yeah. And, well, you know, and honestly, I mean, there's a lot of practicality to stuff like uh, protein powders and things like that. Sometimes supplements get a, such a negative rap, but protein powder is one of the few things that I've found when you work with athletes that might otherwise skip meals. They could take dry powder. They can fill up a water bottle you know, with the powder in the bottom of it, and it's convenient. You know, concentrate or isolate, I'm not going to be riding yeah. someone. I mean, there may be a very slight <laughs> higher amount of lactose or other nutrients in the concentrate, you know, because yeah. it was concentrated down and isolated away uh, apart from everything else. But very minor. Let's not nitpick, I think. Well, I mean, and, and concentrates of today aren't concentrates of 15 years ago. No. <laughs> you, know. you don't have to mix them with a so. the cement mixer, correct? <laughs> yeah. But, and you know, I God, I remember when I used to have to get special like soy-based uh, protein powders because I went through this nasty period when I moved out west of being lactose intolerant. Like you said, things aren't like that anymore. There was almost no choices sure. that were completely lactose-free, and now you've got a hundred of them or more. Yeah. You know, and you know what? Let me read you something. I was, I was looking. At, I was just mentioning Stu Phillips' lab and and Nick Bird. Here's a quote from a 2009 paper. New data suggests that whey protein is better able to support muscle protein synthesis than is soy protein, a finding that may explain the greater ability of whey protein to support greater net muscle mass gains with resistance exercise. So there you go. Probably related to the speed and the leucine content like you guys were already talking about. Uh, One one quick thing. I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you were taking – you said when you were uh, taking the one scoop of of protein and then you were adding that leucine, did you see significant – uh, recovery um, w- while doing that. Did you? I mean, did you feel any 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 differences while while kicking up that leucine? You know what? That's a good question because I was talking to a guy in the gym about that just the other day. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I I can't really say. I mean, to me, it's like rather than boatload 
protein. You know, I just thought I would sort of play around instead of 40 grams of protein, you know, as I'm heading to the gym and then 40 more, you know, two scoops afterwards. Right. Why not just one scoop and then spike it with five grams of leucine? Uh, you know, because Tarnopolsky's lab, was it last year, I think? It was more? One of his uh, grad students basically showing that 20 grams is the optimal dose of protein to stimulate protein synthesis. Now, that was egg protein, though, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's not got the same leucine content. So I can't wait to see their labs or Stu Phillips' labs, you know, the labs that do the stable isotope work, actually look in different protein types. But if anything, I would think you may need even less whey than you need egg. Um, so anyway, I'm starting to think maybe I'm just going to take 20 grams of protein instead of 40. Right. And then, you know, make up the difference with, with leucine, or I mean, uh, with, uh, yeah, with some straight leucine. But I should probably let, you know what, this is total speculation before everybody yeah. runs out and says, Lowry says you don't need this. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. I'm just. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing that I would, would get me, and this is coming back, I, I do believe it was Lane's talk. You know, after that leucine was jacked up, they saw that still increased. I forget what it was, four or six hours later. The protein synthesis was still, pretty much the on signal was still on. Uh, yeah. What ended up lacking then was the other essential amino acids. Mm. So, I mean, possibly, you know, the 20 grams that get you, get the optimal protein synthesis, which you can't go past, but when do the other amino acids then run out? Despite, when does the, your power source run out despite your on signal still being on? Yeah, that's good thinking. I, I don't know if anybody has the, the straight-up answer yeah. you know, to that. Uh, but, and let's face it, you've got to eat something, right? Yeah. Don't eat yeah. too many carbs. Don't eat too much fat. Well, you've got to eat something. And I usually find when I'm dieting, I'll eat protein foods well above needs yeah. just because I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, so there's practicality. That's what comes. I mean, I was talking to a guy the other day who was losing a bunch of weight, and he's coming off this cycle when he's losing weight. He said, "He said I'm, I'm going to start using more powders now," and that kind of threw me in a loop because I am essentially the opposite. When I'm looking to shed fat and this and that, I'm looking to keep my protein intake high. That's when I really I end up using more yeah. ways and pure proteins because then I can get the keep the calories low and keep my protein high. And times like now, I'm just shoving food in my mouth. No, and I think that's <laughs> smart, dude. What most young guys do or most beginner type guys is, you know, I, I, sat, I sat in an airport once with somebody, perfect example. He was eating like 400 grams of protein a day. I'm like, how many calories are you eating, you know? And, I mean, it was sadly insufficient. So it's like, listen, yeah. guys, at some point, like you said, that might be a bit of a switch or it might be building blocks, but you need lots of gas for your yeah. bricklaying equipment, you know. Build that structure with energy, with calories. So... In fact, when I teach sports nutrition, I tell my students, when someone asks you, how much protein do I need? Do I need more protein? You answer them with a question of your own. How many calories are you eating? Yeah. Because, again, we're just talking about Stu Phillips and those guys. They were suggesting that intermediate and advanced guys like us, we may actually need less protein because our bodies are good at sort of protecting themselves, if you will. I think again, his studies feed those guys 4,000 calories a day or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it, it's always that trade-off with calorie intake. Well, I think it, it goes back to, to you know, you said, hey, I'm just going to go 20 grams of protein. The whole, you know, more is better mindset. Um, I know I did it when I was young. All I need, you know, we have a 150-pound guy. I need to take 300 grams of protein. <laughs> you know, can your body assimilate that? The, the whole more is better 
it doesn't really apply once you get to that level where your body is actually using that protein and, and, and uh, you know, digesting it properly. Well, yeah, you hear all kinds of things about excess protein. The only thing that I've ever seen that's mildly concerning is I have a, a really cool, it's a, a military uh, book, a review of literature, of military studies, and they were suggesting that if you eat very large amounts of protein, you sort of teach your body to deaminate it, you know, pluck the nitrogen off and oxidize it. So you, if you become a protein oxidizer, it will last, it'll linger for 10 days, two weeks later. So if you're used to eating hundreds and hundreds of grams, you sort of teach your body to sort of deaminate and burn, you know, the protein. And then if you're not eating lots of protein, that could be a bad thing because now your body is used to burning protein and you're not supplying it by mouth. So you go through a period of sort of, you know, negative nitrogen balance or something. Uh, I think what way. might be interesting is just let's, Let's go one by one. We'll start with Charles because he's being so quiet. And uh, yeah. let's just say what we all do personally, you know, with with in as far as weight. What what role does it play in your daily or weekly life? Oh man, I don't know. I, like, and I have a question um, for Andy as well. But um, I'll, I'll, you know, I I tend to do uh, about forty grams of of whey per day. But uh, I, I also would not, you know, I, I look at what Phil has accomplished, and he's He's doing about triple that from from what I just observed. So I'm not sure that what I I always look at Phil and I always think to myself, man, I need to be doing more weight. But um, <laughs> and you know, Phil was like 275 at like 15 percent body fat, and and I'm like 230 at like 20 percent. So you know, that's why I say that. But um, but Andy, if if, if I, I just wanted to get this question in, and, and either you can answer it now or we could get to it after everybody goes through what they do, but. You mentioned early in the interview about, you know, label claims and, and companies, uh, you know, not putting, you know, what, what is claimed on the label in the product. And I would love to know more of that, about that because I think the average person listening, maybe I'm wrong, but I just think, I think they assume you look at the label and you just kind of trust it. So at some point before we finish, I would love for you to comment on that. Okay, I you know we why don't we we go around the room for for what we do for way and and then I can touch yeah, on that yeah, that topic yeah, absolutely. Well, I suppose oh, I, I suppose I, um, I'd be honest with you. My 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 period during my last you know twenty odd years of lifting has been you know I only spent a few years at one point actually really paying attention to how many grams of protein I'm eating and that kind of thing. I mean. I think Lonnie can say that um, he's seen enough of what I do. I, I'm more concerned with just eating, you know, just lots of food. Um, I don't really concern myself too much with how many grams or how much, you know, or what even type of protein I'm having. I mean, I eat a lot of meat and, you know, some weight gainer powders. and I eat a ton of eggs. I eat, you know, one or two dozen eggs a day and, you know, all this kind of thing. So um, I don't really concern myself with that. I don't, I've never really been a calorie counter at all. And like I say, my, my time of actually count, counting protein has been very small. Haven't done that for years. Um, my my whole thing is just eating lots of food. So I I don't know. I can't really be specific with the protein thing because, again, I don't over-concern myself with that. I just eat a lot of eggs, a lot of meat, a lot of pro, you know weight-gaining powders and a lot of stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of milk. Um, I think I'm, I'm, the variety is good, man. I think that's that's probably why you win. You know, meat is yeah. so nutrient-rich. You get stuff like the cholesterol in eggs that may actually help support muscle growth. We've talked about that before, you know. 
Uh, I think if people overdo whey protein or dairy proteins, they could run the risk of not getting enough other nutrients. You know, like when you eat meat, you get tons of all kinds of vitamins and iron. And Well, iron's a good example because iron's not going to be provided in a very good way by most dairy proteins, you know. And most men don't need lots of extra iron, but, you know, just yeah. as an example. So I mean, mixing I, it up like that is great. You know, I, I've never eaten for longevity of life. And because my whole thing is I'd rather, you know, lift big and be, you know, a, a supercharged funny car for, you know, 60 years than be, a, you know, a, a Fiesta for freaking 80. Fiesta. You know, so I just eat yeah. lots of food, right? I eat a lot of, you know, hamburgers. Um <laughs> Throw a couple of grease wheels in there once or twice a week, you know. <laughs> a lot of eggs, you know. I eat a lot of steak, a lot of chicken, just a lot of food in general, you know. And, yeah. and well, not you know, only do you cover your bases that way, but you don't get too much of any one thing, you know. I mean, like there's a little bit of data out there. It's just like epidemiological data, but uh, there is some suggestion, like people who overconsume milk, there may actually be some connections with prostate cancer and stuff like that. Now, that's not always borne out when you actually do sort of, you know, controlled studies. But let's yeah. just pretend for a minute that there might be an issue there with dairy proteins or milk proteins and, can and prostate cancer. Then maybe it's good that you're not living on that five times a day and you are having some beef and some eggs and some chicken, you know? I certainly right. found that, you know, when I – that period where it was three or four, you know two or three years where I was actually more concerned with you know counting proteins and so forth and you know when the last kind of days of my competitive bodybuilding um, that certainly never worked for me. I mean I've always been on the belief. I mean my workouts, as I'm sure most of yours as well. I mean my workouts are the caloric consumption of of what I'm burning in my workouts is just astronomical. I mean and I'm not bragging by any stretch, but you know, after training as many years as I have, like you guys, you get to a level of, you know, ability to, you know, exert intensity and just the volume that you're lifting and the energy expenditure is just so massive. But my whole, um, and I used to say this back when I lived in Ohio there with you, Lonnie, all the time, and we'd go out and eat, you know, it's like, you know, it, it you know, big machinery requires big fuel and you just have to consume, you have to eat. And, you know, you can't ever really overstate that because only even in the last year or two have I one upped even my previous kind of levels of what I thought that the, the importance of that is to do. You just need to eat and eat and eat and you know I I think that the majority of my time that I've been training I've been probably been still under eating you know yeah. so I mean there's always new kind of um, you know epiphanies to be had no matter how long you've been training and how much you know that you know there's always that next level of holy crap I'm still not eating enough. You know, um, and like you say, you know, as we're talking about, you know, you get stronger, you get bigger, you get more ferocious in the gym, and you're able to just do more work in total. I mean, you just got to keep eating and eating. And I mean, that's the hard thing about it. I tell young guys in the it gym is. all the time, training is the easy part. Yeah. To me, well, certainly I can only speak for myself, I suppose, but I've heard other guys say this as well. To, to me, training is the easy part. The Eating is the hard part. You know, just getting as much food in. I mean, it, it becomes a burden, actually. You know, like you're constantly bloated. That's constantly pushed out. You never feel like eating when you're supposed to eat again. I never feel like eating. I hate eating because I'm constantly doing it. You know, I'm either drinking something <laughs> and it just pisses me off. Yeah. Oh, it's you know, I, let, me, let me add a couple of things there. One is, God, I totally agree. You hear so much, because Americans are overweight, you hear so much about how hard it is to lose weight. It is damn hard to gain weight because the, yeah. especially you get to an intermediate stage, you're carrying a lot of muscle mass, like you said, 
and let's just clarify, the workouts themselves that you do, Fortress, they're not hugely calorie expending compared to if you continuously ran for two hours or something. But what happens is you build so much muscle mass, you know, your different researchers suggest six to 13 extra kcal per pound of muscle mass, you know, that you, you build every day, you know, you, so you need six to 13 more calories per pound. And then you make that muscle tissue sore and that raises calorie needs even more because it's sort of a mild injury response. So that's why, you know how you and I used to talk about you get out of the shower or you're sitting around and you're like, God, I'm hot. I feel like I'm steaming, you know. And I think when you have a big machine, like you said, you're a muscle car. Even when you're idling at the stoplight, you're guzzling gas. In this case, you're burning calories. So Right. No, yeah, I mean, that's, that. that's 100% true. I mean, that's why I tell people, generally all our athletes, it's like we don't judge our training on what you burn in it. It's it's what you're going to burn after for days recovering from it is where all that calories burn. Yeah, that's from. that's that's essentially what I mean. I mean, obviously, I mean, oh, sure. you know, like it's, when I was saying that before, I wanted to clarify. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm again, obviously, I'm not <laughs> as educated as Lonnie or these types of things, but I certainly understand that just the you know his concept of what he was saying ten fifteen minutes ago about you know you you just. Um, you know, you need fuel for all the, you know, brick and mortar that you're putting in there. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, when you're done, I mean, some of my training sessions, I mean, I train three times a week, and I get in this sentiment I'm sure is shared by you guys as well. I mean, I, I'm sometimes hard-pressed to recover from three days a week in the gym. I mean, this week this week alone, I was supposed to train yesterday, and because of my Tuesday's session, uh, I just couldn't go yesterday. And that wasn't laziness at all. I wanted to go, but I was just so rocked out of my mind. Yeah. You know, and, and I can tell, I mean... After so many years of doing this, you know, you can just tell when your body is fighting for every, you know, ability just to keep its head above water in any sort of anabolic <laughs> way. So, yeah. I mean, well, let me say, let me add one thing before I, I, I tell people what I do. From a behind-the-scenes research perspective, I have never been part of a study or led a study where the, the weight trainers were eating plenty, almost always. They're under eating compared to their predicted needs. I absolutely think that's probably true because, like I say, after so many years, I, I'm still discovering, you know, just through trial and error, just how underfed I am. And I'm eating all the bloody time. Well, that's why they say battle the knife and fork, right? My old, I used to have a strength coach buddy at the university there, Ray Eady. And Ray and I used to call it the, the battle of the knife and fork because, you, you know, you're, you're talking about predicted calorie needs for some of these. These are collegiate athletes, but you know, 3,500 a day, 4,000 a day. That's and, not easy. And they're eating like 60% of that maybe. Yeah, yeah. it's not easy to sit down oh, and eat on a schedule. I've heard people say, but, oh, Doc, I'm not hungry. You know, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't care. <laughs> well, like, what did I just say? I'm never, I'm literally never hungry, never. Yeah. And I mean, and I actually, one day a week, I usually on Sunday, allow myself only to eat a few meals a day because it's almost to me like a vacation. Not having to constantly jam food down my throat or whip up another protein shake or weight gain or drink. Yeah, I mean, no, that's what I you know. I tell people, you know, that are looking to gain, it's eat, eat when you're not full, not when you're hungry. When you're not packed, it's time to put more in. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's saying eat until you're sick, of course, but yeah, yeah you've got to get serious. And I mean, imagine, oh, it's not convenient. I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. Would you tell your coach that? Oh, it's not convenient. I don't want to do a few more yeah. tests. You know, or no, not acceptable. It's part. Well, of the do you program. remember you guys back years ago, like twenty years ago, when that Victor Richards hit the scene, and there was that whole hoopla that he was saying that he made some comment about eating thirty thousand calories a day. Yeah. 
and of course everybody was talking and people were kind of juggling the numbers and, and somebody predicted that the guy would have to be eating you know so many calories basically essentially as, as soon as one meal was done he'd have to start another one and it would have to be you know he'd probably be sitting and eating those calories while he was sitting on the can right eating with a snow shovel on the can right <laughs> saying Lonnie is true like 3,500 calories a day it's not easy easy if you're eating you know three pizzas a day and you know going through the drive through 12 times but I mean if you're eating relatively, relatively, you know, um, healthily and, Good point. you know, towards an athletic kind of um, mandate, that's not easy to get that kind of calories in there. It really isn't. Yeah. You know, 4,000 calories a day is, you know, more no, than probably most people realize, right. again, when you're looking at something that's relatively clean eating. People need to know what's realistic. I did a behavior modification project in, in grad school in San Diego, and I remember I tried to eat 4,500 calories a day consistently for two months, and that was incredibly hard. I mean, so people who are listening, here's what I mean by this. Six bowls of oatmeal, six pieces of toast, six cups of milk for breakfast. Lunch was six or seven beef burritos. You know, I mean, these are, this is what I'm talking about. And then there's snacks in between and waiting drinks in between. So it's really hard, like Rob is saying, if you're eating pretty clean, if you're eating in a structured way, not doing what Chris Shugart calls, calls a dirty bulk, then it's really hard to do that. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to just say what I eat as far as protein very quickly. I, I usually have uh, a scoop of like a whey casein blend in my oatmeal and berries every morning just because it's easy. Um, and then you know, sometimes I'll have eggs instead. But And then I'll have another scoop. I like that orange-flavored uh, like whey casein stuff. Uh, I'll have that on my way to the gym and while I'm in the gym. So that's, you know, another scoop, I guess. And then I'll have a a third scoop in the two hours after I lift. So I guess that's three scoops of, like, whey casein blend during the day. And the rest is meat and eggs, cottage cheese, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, right now, again, I'm in a stage where I'm at least trying to hold weight but actually trying to put it on. So it's pretty simple for me. I mean, it's the first thing I do in the morning is I'll have I'll have a shake with, with you know two scoops away, and then I'm kind of in the camp now that um, I, I'm into the, the pre-workout stuff as opposed to post. So I'll, I'll have a shake before I go in and uh, make sure I got nice amino-rich blood, and then afterwards it's just food, and the rest of the day it's lots of food. Um, if I'm in a time when I'm losing, looking to take off weight and get down, I mean, I will, I will really up that. You know, I'll get maybe half my my protein for the day from from shakes, six or seven scoops, and uh, just I just find it easy to keep my my calories down, and then the rest is real food and you know vegetables and fruits and stuff. So keep it simple, huh? Yeah. Uh, I guess it's my turn now. Now, as opposed to when 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 I was competing, um, now I'll take um, you know uh, two scoops away before I work out, and and then two scoops after. So I'm only about four scoops. Uh, when I was competing, I was trying to put on weight. So when I first started competing, I was about two forty, and over the you know four or five years, I ended up at three forty. But I would make. I would have to, um, like you were talking about trying to eat those 4,500 calories, six of these, you know, five of these. Yeah. I would make gainer shakes, two scoops away, you know, whole milk, hostess pie, ice cream, banana, yogurt, everything in them um, when I was trying to pack it on. But now it's more just a pure way, and I mix it with water. 
and and so I'm only doing about four scoops a day. If I feel the need, I'll take a scoop here, an extra scoop there. Um, but I'm not I'm not doing anything significant as far as training. So my body, you know, you you, you uh, uh, I don't I don't remember who touched on it, but you start to your you can read your body if it's hungry, if it needs a certain certain food, you know, need more carbs, need more proteins. You can you can sense that. So if my body needs it, I'll, I'll throw a scoop. But other than that, I'm about four scoops a day. How much do you weigh? Right now I'm 300. Okay, so you're a big dude, and you're doing four scoops a day. I'm bringing this up because let's say. How tall are you, by the way? I'm six two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're a big boy. I mean, yeah. the, the truth is, people need to get some idea when we say how much protein we're eating. I mean, I only weigh 200 pounds. You know, I'm five nine, 200, so I'm yeah. not some giant dude. Fortress, what? What are you? Six foot two seventy something? Uh, two eighty three now. Okay. Oh God. I just weighed. Wow. Oh. You go, man. You graduated. <laughs> <laughs> Moving up weight class. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you, Andy. I mean, I keep the the protein around, and I know you know it's convenient. If if I got a busy day and I haven't been able to throw anything in my mouth, it's there. Yep. Yep. You know, but on an average day, it's yeah, it's three or four scoops, and then but if I know. Crap! I, I'm missing this meal. I need to throw something in now to hold me over to the next meal. Yeah. You know that I got it. But I think people are doing themselves a disadvantage if they lean too heavily on the way. You know, you've yeah. got to eat a and B too. Yeah. And I and I can see now that I'm I actually you know I work from home now, which is great. I I I eat more whole whole foods just because it's it's there. I can go and cook it before shakes more. Um, you know, they, I would consume more shakes because they're easier. I could throw two scoops. And one of my big things, which I still love, is I'll, I'll do two scoops, a cup of raw oats, water, shake it in a bottle, and pound it. And most people find that very repulsive, but I just get it in. You know? Wow. I don't, I don't think I could digest that much raw oat. Holy crap. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I I did it for years, and I, I don't do it anymore. But, but when I was working in the clubs, I I do it just because that'd be my breakfast. Have that and a banana, and call it good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I think one thing for me is I I lived. Oh, I'd, I'd say half or three quarters of my diet was freaking powder for a while because I could. Um, you know, it was, it was you know I I got the stuff as part of my job, and it was just cheap and easy. And I'll tell you what, the the thing I found out about is it was really easy to stay lean. It was real hard to gain weight. Um, I wasn't getting enough calories. And right. it, since I've moved to real food more, it's, you know, I've moved up, you know, from two, 220 to, to 250 and then 250 to 270, you know, and just gotten a shit ton stronger, too. But, I mean, I, I think, like you're saying, that, uh, Lonnie, it's, it's about balance. It's about variety. And they have their place. You can't live on them. I think if you, if you want to get lean, Quickly, it's a good thing to do. You know, it's something to add in more of. But right, I like the shake idea for compliance. The cool thing about protein, I think, is it's it's helpful for weight gain and weight loss because you can make the sort of dump shake where you dump everything in the blender. You know, like Andy's talking about, yeah. you know, to gain weight and the calories and protein. And then if you're dieting, it helps keep you sort of keeps it simple, right? The kid yeah. principle, like Dave Tate was talking about. And uh, you know, you just have your shake with some. I don't know. You could put some fibery stuff in it, flax or something, or, you know, like Chris Sugar does that velocity diet thing. And I mean, yeah. there's real research out there, people, that you can facilitate a diet by carefully, you know, doing meal replacements with very protein-rich or protein and fiber kinds of shakes. That that process 
does in fact work. You just can't be consuming more than about half your calories from liquids for really extended periods because you'll go kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I agree, man. I mean, you have to eat to grow and 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 whole food uh, proteins. You know, whole food, good carbs. That's I, I can I can feel like if I have a day where I've consumed more more of the whey shakes than whole foods, I, I can kind of feel that imbalance. Um, but you know, have, having the whole foods, there's you know, having a, a sweet potato and a steak. Uh, I may be the only one, but my body feels really good after that. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, to touch on, unless unless uh, somebody's left out as far as how they consume whey, to touch on the FDA um, about the mislabeling, um, is that okay if I touch on that, fellas? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. yeah please. This, this is something that has um, really been a driver for me, and I'm interested to see to, to get the feedback from you guys. A driver for me as far as um, my company, Bob Oakway, and I'm not saying you know we're the best, we're this, we're that. My issue is um, with uh, mislabeling. I mean, basically, manufacturers are lying to people about what is in their product. And I'll give you an example. There's a study done. Um, it was a Harvard professor, and his one of his um, uh, his uh, his uh, topics and one of his studies for his students. They took ten whey protein uh, brands. And did an assay on them, and uh, one of the the one that came back with with the most uh, the close to the label as far as hey 20 grams on the label, 20 grams in the protein. Um, obviously, that's that's a good protein. He couldn't tell me who they were, um, but the other others would say 25 grams of protein in the assay, 12 grams. I mean, protein bars are notorious for it. Oh yeah. Where, where they don't have it, but I think I think it's disgusting that we have these people. Um, you know, customers, people that are buying these products that think they're getting, hey, I'm getting a five-pound tub of protein, you're getting maybe four pounds, maybe protein, and then you're getting a pound of cake mix. You know, it's it's because it's not regulated. And that's my it, – it, it bothers me that, yeah, it's a business. You know, yeah, the FDA doesn't regulate it, so you can put, you know, all these fillers, all these additives in it. And I, I'm, 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 you know, me and my, and my business partner, and a lot of the people that that consume our products are driving to kind of blow the whistle on it because I think it's, you know, to be honest, I think it's crap. I think you're, you're ripping people off if you're labeling something, and you're saying that this is in the label, and the assay comes back, and it's completely off. I mean, you're lying. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that you're lying to a consumer. Let me give consumer uh, a consumer tip here. I do this as a class project because you can do this little experiment, if you will, at home and prove this to yourself. Now, I haven't seen data with the powders, but the bars, um, you have to go to the ingredients list. So what we would do is we'd look at the, the grams of protein on the label. Okay, 20 or 25 grams of protein, great. Then you go to the ingredients list, which is an order of content, right? And right. early on, you'll see hydrolyzed collagen or... <laughs> gelatin. If these are one of the first three, four ingredients, guys, those are useless, what I call useless, biologically useless proteins. Collagen and gelatin have so few amino acids, they're not going to support growth, and it makes you wonder, right, if they're one of the first few ingredients on the list, that means there's more of that in there than anything else. So how many of that 20 grams of protein in the Nutrition Facts panel 
is from collagen, right? Which is, or, which is hooves and horns, right? Gross. Right. So not helping you grow hooves and horns. And what if 12 or 15 grams of that 20 is collagen or gelatin? Yeah. So it's very uh, shady, and technically they're not lying, right? The FDA is not going to bust them for lying per se because they're, it's in the ingredients list. So it's right there in the ingredients list. So savvy consumers have to read the ingredients list. Um, and that's just way deeper than most people are willing to go, I think. Right. Well, and you touched on a good point. I, you know, I look at different whey proteins. I look at the ingredients, and, and I found one yesterday. The last ingredient was uh, whey protein concentrate blend, the last ingredient. I double-checked the site I was on. I double-checked the manufacturer. So, again, you're saying, yeah, 15 grams may come from just uh, a nonsense source, you know, a, a source that, that's not going to help you at all. Uh, but then the actual, you know, meat and potatoes of the, of the whey protein is the last last ingredient. Um, you know, and most people aren't willing to do an assay on, on, their, on their protein. We've had uh, different clubs, different uh, health clubs, um, you know, inquire about carrying our protein. And, what, hey, if, if you have any questions about it, spend the 125 bucks, do an assay, what we say is on the label, that's that's within it because it makes no sense to uh, maybe not lie but mislead the consumer. Right, and that comes up so often with supplements. It's misleading. may not be a bold-faced yeah, lie. Misleading is probably a better misleading. term, but extreme misleading, I'll call it. Hey, you, you know say? what? Once you get found out with that, you're done. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Especially if you're a businessman. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get found out once that and that gets around, you, you can't kind of – you can't change the tide of that bad negativity. So, and that's and and there's there's been you know one or two major whey protein suppliers, um, which I'm not going to name, but that are going out of business due to that exact fact. Yeah. So you know it's and that trickles down to, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna make a product, make it good and just give people what they want. There's no if you have a good product, there's no real reason to to skew it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think consumers need say, to know supplements. Supplements don't follow the same guidelines and rules that Whole Foods do, and yeah, you got to be really exactly. careful with that. Yeah. Uh, your your cake cake batter analogy was great. I just I, would you guys say? I mean, whey whey tastes a lot better now than it did say 10, 15 years ago, oh. but it still doesn't taste like cake. I mean, I think a good thing is if you buy a whey that claims to be 100% whey and hardly anything else, and it tastes like you're drinking a freaking milkshake. <laughs> it's pretty good. There's a lot more stuff in there than you think there is. I mean, right. I know your guys' stuff tastes tastes great for a way, but I mean, I'm not going to say it's a McDonald's shake. Right. <laughs> you know, there's some of them out there that do, and then they claim that they have all this. You know, that there's something else in there. But it always shocks me how people talk constantly about you know the taste of a supplement or a drink or whatever. And truthfully, people I know who are serious about what they're doing. That's probably the last thing. I mean, yeah. some of the crap that I've backed down my throat over the last years, and, and I'm sure all you guys can say the same, yeah. um, some that was worthwhile and some that has been, with time, just proven to be complete shit. Excuse my language. Um, it, it never was even a consideration to me. I mean, this stuff tastes like donkey piss, and it's like, whatever. Yep. You know what I mean? Now, if it tastes like you say, like, you know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if I'm drinking something that even, even has a hint of tasting like something like ch- chocolate or strawberry or something that's, a little less repugnant than donkey piss, then, hey, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. But when you hear these guys who are 130 pounds complaining because the thing doesn't taste, like you say, as good as a McDonald's milkshake or something, I'm just like, 
you know, where's your priority? Right. Like well, it, it, it kind of goes to the labeling too. Some of the some of the, the whey protein labels, it looks like a dessert aisle in Vegas. You know, on the labels, you got yeah. chocolate and streams of you know strawberry and all these. You know, it's supposed to it's supposed to taste like that, but. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I remember choking down Gainer's Fuel 2500, Mega Mass 2500, mixing it with a freaking, you know, garden spoon, trying to choke it down. Um, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. And who knows? Who knows if it worked? Who knows if it, it didn't? You know, you go back to the old hot stuff. When I don't know if you guys remember when hot stuff first came out. Hot stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, you're going back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I gained 30 pounds between my freshman and sophomore year taking hot stuff. And then when they came back with the new hot stuff, not so much. So <laughs> who knows what was in that? But yeah, that was that was old school. That was pretty good stuff. You yeah. guys are talking about uh, chocolate and strawberry and all the, the taste and everything. I want to make a quick, again, kind of consumer note about chocolate milk. You hear a lot about chocolate milk as a post-exercise drink, although it's good. I mean, it has some fast-acting, you know, basically sucrose sugars to get in your back in your muscles and some. Protein, the, the protein in milk, and I'm not, I know a lot of listeners know this, is 80-20. You know, it's 80% casein, 20% whey. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about whey, straight up whey in water or a scoop of whey, that's a different animal than just basically chocolate milk. So just so you know, there, from a research standpoint, whey protein would be probably superior to chocolate milk. Just because it's very fast acting, it's not the kind of casein type of thing. Casein's a good protein too, but um, that's a great anyway. Ju- just a note on that. That's not that's a really good point. You see that big push too. It seems lately, uh, maybe you know, last could be longer. You know, five six months or you know, immediate uh, one or two months where chocolate milk. You know, you see it pop up kind of everywhere. So that's that's a, that's a good point on you know that eighty twenty balance. Yeah, it's not straight way, so people Yeah. Well, I think it was a good show, guys. Um just, I had one comment from Jake Sullivan. He's uh wondering when you were gonna man up and compete again, Andy, but uh you kinda already answered that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what what level of competition are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. Well, beat. all you have to do is beat him. That isn't hard. I mean, I've proven that. So. <laughs> oh, that's hard. That's hard. <laughs> but, no, um, just urge, I want to thank you for coming. Happy birthday again. Um, and it's a pleasure to be on. I'll, I mean, I'm going to uh, listen in on, on from now on on, on all your on your radio shows. It's it's great to uh, meet all of the, the participants, and, and uh, you know, it keeps, it keeps me, you know, educated. You never stop learning. So, yeah. you know, especially in, in, in the business I'm in is I love the input. I mean, you have, you, have, you know, uh, professors and you have, you know, all realms. But um, I, I've, I've learned some things on this call, which I think are, are fantastic. So I appreciate the, the opportunity to be on, fellas. Yeah. No yeah. problem. Everybody go check out Andy's site. Uh, there's a link on the page, the landing page right now. If not, it's just buybulkway.com. So give him a shout out. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks. Have a good day. Have a great weekend, guys. Take you care. Too. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also, seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.